With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no empty miles future at convoy.com sustainability. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Net Zero Carbon, the show here at FreightWaves where we talk about all things in sustainability and freight tech in the logistics sector. Today, I'm joined by Andrea Pope of Leaf Logistics. Andrea, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me today. I'm very excited to be here. We're glad you're here. I'm excited to learn more about you and your journey in Leaf Logistics. First off, excuse, I'm usually not in a t-shirt on Friday, but with all the, the craziness in Europe the last couple of days, I thought it relevant to kind of send our message out to, and support what's going on in Ukraine. So thanks for bearing with me on that. I think it's great. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, about you and your journey and how'd you end up at Leaf? Sure. Um, I've worked in the logistics, sort of at the intersection of logistics and data for over 20 years. Um, I've had the opportunity to work in many different functional roles from coding and delivering some of the first electronic RFPs very early in my career. I've worked in the management consultant space, working with a wide range of different technology providers. And I have even spent a small amount of time in sales Fundamental to all the work I've ever done, though, is data. Um, at every point in my career, I've been heavy into data. Um, coming out of my master's in data science from UC Berkeley in 2017, some of my old colleagues were starting at the time what was called Logistics Exchange, now LEAF, obviously, um, asked if I wanted to join on. Um, and given my background and what they were doing, Super excited to join the team and, and see where we've come. Um, my cross-functional background has really set me up for the position I'm currently playing at LEAF, which is leading our solutions team. So solutions is, in my words, sort of a group of creative, creative problem solvers working across the LEAF teams to kind of push the boundaries um, of what each of the teams are doing, identifying inefficiencies, trying to build them out of the processes, um, but also working to sort of test out future ways of working uh, and sustainability. And a lot of the work that we're doing there right now is within the solutions group specifically. Really exciting. I love hearing about a path like that that takes lots of turns and has a lot of continuous education, constant growth involved. So congrats for that. Tell me a little bit about um, LEAF's origin and mission. And I mean, you touched on it briefly there, but, you know, for listeners who aren't aware, who is LEAF Logistics? At LEAF, we're really working to change how freight is bought and sold. Today, transportation is still primarily, you know, the buying and selling is done very transactionally. It requires a huge number of resources and there's a ton of waste. Um, Obviously, CO2 waste from empty miles uh, but there's waste in terms of what people are working on day to day as well. So part of why we're called LEAF um, is our focus on taking waste and empty miles out of the market um, and reducing that greenhouse gas emissions. 
Um, but overall, at least really trying to change the way people buy and sell transportation. Noble goal and well needed. My background was in freight brokerage and then biofuels trading before joining FreightWave. So I have a constant through line of alternative fuels and looking to lower emissions and freight and logistics. So I resonate with that mission and want to support you guys however I can. So happy to have you guys on to evangelize that message a bit further. When we think about the opportunity that's before us in, in transforming freight and procurement, you know, I always like to take the lens of the triple bottom line, right? So how does how does LEAF think through improving a triple bottom line outcome for customers? And are those customers mainly enterprise shippers, brokers, carriers? You know, where do you guys fit in the ecosystem there too? Or do you touch all three? That's a great question. I would say overall at LEAF, we try to be as agnostic as possible across all of those different groups. So um, so triple bottom line, social, environmental, financial, I think the more you can tie those together. Um, so if you can tie your social impacts and your environmental impacts with your financial impacts, the easier it is for our customers to go after them. So on the environmental side, well, thinking about sustainability, sustainability, we're focused on reducing wasted miles. So you've mentioned many times a third of truckload capacity goes wasted, right? They're, they're idling, they're driving empty. A third of emissions can be eliminated if we coordinate how some of that capacity is being used. Um, but that doesn't, that impacts all sides, right? So whether it's the, the carriers trying to improve the routes that their drivers are taking, more loaded miles, going to more of a social impact and the impact it has for those in the industry day to day, doing the, the real work um, to the environmental impact with the CO2 reductions. Um, but as you drive efficiency, what you're also delivering is financial benefits for all side. So when we compare, when we can kind of join all three of those together, there's just a huge impact that's possible. Um, I love seeing how much innovation is in the space um, from RNG and there's so many opportunities. At least, though, we're primarily focused on reducing the amount of waste. Love it. Love it. We have to do it. <laughs> it's funny to, to think through how we ended up here, too, right? When I think about the current state of our ecosystem, kind of specifically talking truckload, but really the broader multimodal like North American supply chain, we are very efficient when we start thinking about like total logistics costs today, right? When we're talking about just the cost of fuel, moving goods, inventory holding costs, like we've, we're not adding bloat into the system today if you're a shipper. Like your job as a transportation procurement professional for the last decades has been, how do I drive costs out of the system? How do I drive costs out of the system? And we've gotten really efficient at that. So it's interesting to me that we're identifying a piece of waste in the supply chain that's led to this really lean, efficient, resilient, and in many cases, supply chain. I mean, I know it doesn't feel that way the last two years, but it truly is. You know, I, I get stuff at the store and didn't have empty shelves, but maybe a day or two at a time for one product, right? Like it, it's it's really good. How do we how do we revalue that waste for the supply chain stakeholders? Because that's that's truly what it is. It's not been valued today. We haven't we haven't properly internalized the cost of emissions from empty miles across the entire chain. And that's why we exist in the system today. So what does Leaf do to like call out those opportunities for people to tackle it? I think that's a great point. We there are so many grounds being made for individual shippers by specific, we call them LSPs, logistic service providers, whether they're carrier or broker. Um, 
One of the things that LEAF is doing, though, is looking beyond an individual shipper or an individual LSP and looking across the network. We talk about kind of breaking down the silos individually. So as you've maximized the potential that you have in your network, if you can go beyond your network to grab more efficiencies, the impact you know, is not twofold, it's 10, 100-fold. We did a study for a large shipper, so roughly 500 million in truckload. Now, granted, very large. Not everybody is that large, and you can still get benefits from the network. But when you looked at their network alone, if you go in with an industry standard of 35% of their um, volume, either coming in or going out, is empty, right? If you just take their 10 lo- closest locations and you consider if you could just get the truck to one of their 10 lo- closest locations, you can take that 35% and move it to 17% waste. And that's just within their own network. So when you expand that even further and you take advantage of that network overall, the impact that you can have in reducing waste is huge. So what we're really trying to qualify and quantify is how you're attributing empty miles, how you're improving that utilization. And, and likely you need some empty miles, like for for OR, for um, most logistic service providers, there's some percentage where they, they don't want to be, you know, we're not looking for 100% utilization of assets, but if they're on the road, we want them full. And that's where we're trying to, that's what we're trying to quantify. Perfect, perfect. What are some tool sets today? You know, do you have a different tool set for the LSPs versus the shippers? How do you guys start to think through integrating and providing those visibility solutions to the entire network? Like many players in the space, we're using machine learning and a significant amount of data to sort of break down those silos. But what we're able to do with that is plan and schedule in advance. So by taking a shipper's volume on a given corridor, combining that with other shipper volume on a given corridor, we can deliver to a carrier long-term planning and reliability on a lane. So the shipper has the reliability because the carrier is 100% there and the carrier has the reliability of knowing that load is there um, so they can plan around it so they're running full more often. Um, And on the carrier side, we'll go a step further and help them put those routes together. And this is not, you know, three to seven days. This is for the next three months, six months, 12 months. Um, We've been running one circuit, you know, three-leg circuit with uh, one carrier for since 2020, right? And we've had many others that have joined since then, but it it works and it's growing. Um, so that's the tool set that we're providing. That's really exciting because when I think about, I think I always blend or blur the lines between digital freight matching, matching in, the, in the form of like spot brokerage near real term, you know, that three to seven days out load matching versus really thinking about revolutionizing like freight procurement on a contract lens and how you can not necessarily like co-source, but plug into, you know, a bigger pool of capacity by committing volume. Is that kind of the way to think about that? Yeah. You know, really future view is leaf working more or transportation working more like a utility where you buy and sell and you're not buying for a specific lane, but you're buying volume on a specific corridor or for a specific type of mood. But how that's being supplied will be determined based upon the market condition at that given time and, and where that capacity relies. So the the components there in that future view is a very, very different, very different buy. 
um, and making transportation really more of a commodity, right? At that point where there's a certain amount of demand and there's a certain amount of capacity, how do you put those together most optimally? Now, obviously, there's peak seasons across the board, whether you're produce, you know, hot topic going into the spring, um, whether you're, you know, produce coming out of the South or your apple picking coming out of New York in the winter or the fall, like, and obviously those are very specific examples, but there's, there's peaks and valleys on every lane, but that doesn't mean that the can't be managed in that same commodity type um, environment. And that's a very future view. Um, and there's many stepping stones along the way to get there. Um, and who knows if we'll ever get all the way there, but there's a, there's certainly an opportunity to, to buy differently. Um, and people are excited for that. With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no empty miles future at convoy.com slash sustainability. We are excited for that here. We'd le- we've got to continue the conversation uh, into the future because, you know, that was FreightWave's origin story was Freight Futures Marketplace. And that ties very nicely into that commoditization. And we all know there's there's significant granularities and differences in freight profiles and drop trailers and types and equipment. And, and all of that is matter. But the fundamental concept of we have a fluid capacity that can ebb and flow, there should be a means to revolutionize freight procurement in a way where we can provide shippers with more risk management tools, pricing transparency, and access to capacity. And I, I do see a future where all of that kind of works together. And, and we're really not just talking about like optimizing spot demand matching, but we're talking about revolutionizing freight procurement, right? So yeah, we got to keep that conversation going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think, you know, it's front of mind for everybody too, right? So you know, major LSPs, asset broker, have initiatives around sustainability. You know, there was a Super Bowl commercial from a, a large producer talking about their sustainability, right? So there's, it's front of mind um, across the board and and driving those efficiencies drives the sustainability as well. They go hand in hand. Um, so in terms of being able to deliver back to that sort of triple bottom line, um, you don't have to sacrifice one for the other, which I think makes the whole scenario more attractive. I mean, again, we have a long ways to go, but I, there's so many people working on the same path to get there. This, we will. I have no doubt about that. I'm optimistic as well. And, and the more we get digital tools come to the marketplace and we start to scale some of these, you'll have network effects that continue to lend themselves to finding, you know, walking into almost immediate reductions in emissions and costs at the end of the day. How do we, how does LEAF quantify emissions? When you start thinking about a shipper comes to you and says, hey, solution sounds great. Help me. You know, I've never measured my supply chain footprint or my trucking freight footprint. How do we start to quantify that for people? Sure. Our focus is primarily on empty miles. So at LEAF, right now we're focused on truckload, full truckload. Uh, We're measuring empty miles. So there's a lot of components that go into that measurement. So when you're going from shipper A to shipper B and there's deadhead miles in between, how do those get counted? Who do those apply to? So right now we're running a lot of different scenarios on how or different experiments on how you look at that calculation 
what that really means and and then putting it into real terms when you're talking about you know tons of co2 it's hard for someone to understand what that number means so it's really thinking about you know putting it in terms of miles or this is the equivalent number of trucks we're taking off the road or the equivalent number of loads that we're reducing uh, that kind of allows people to put it in terms that they understand but from a pure metric perspective um it's our, our primary focus right now is miles um following right on the heels behind that is dwell time um i think dwell time is a very interesting also back to sort of that the triple bottom line along with environmental issues of idle time um is sort of the driver component of idle time. Um, there was a study that came out of MIT that said, if we could reduce average dwell time by 16 minutes, we'd basically solve the driver shortage problem. Now I haven't qualified that study, but it came out of a fairly good agnostic source. <laughs> and that's a huge, so how you plan that, right? That goes into planning. And that also goes back to your network efficiency. If you have 15 trucks arriving in the same five minute window, somebody's waiting a long time, right? So it's it's understanding how all of those pieces play in. So again, right now we're primarily focused on empty miles, but right on that heels and, and some initial kind of experimental design is going into dwell time. Super important extension of the silo of just truckload freight where we've been stuck for years and years is no one's cracked that code. If you can figure out how to get, you know, dock management and warehouse scheduling and all of that playing together and communicating upstream with inbound assets coming to load for you makes all the difference in the world. So I'm, keep me posted. I'm excited to see where that goes. <laughs> yeah, we all are. There's a, a, I mean, it's very clear to everybody, the data challenges in doing that and the hundreds of thousands of different systems people are using to manage this today across the U.S. network alone. Um, so it's a it's a challenge, but a, it's a fun one. It's And I'm 100% confident it can be reached, right? there. It's just how we get there and, and the path we take might take some twists and turns, but it's still an exciting path. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's much that's going to slow down this momentum, even in the face of like looming war that's happening in the world, I still think you're going to continue to see climate positive momentum drive change in industry. Yeah. And it goes back to people are motivated in multiple ways right now, right? It's it's not simply financial. It's, it is their commitments to environmental improvements. And, and so they're motivated across multiple channels. When at LEAF, we're not just talking to logistics and procurement folks, there's, you know, EHS and finance, they're the people who are interested in the improvements here span the organization. Yeah. How do we reconcile between kind of the two stakeholder groups, you know, historically LSPs and specifically asset heavy operators or responsible management is about maximizing yield for my assets and my business, right? On the shipper side, it's 100% about minimizing cost. And where that has come at, at odds has been um, minimizing cost and maximizing at an appropriate service level. The the gap to fill in there has always been, you know, no one owns that empty leg, right? And when we start thinking about, you know, forthcoming standards around scope one, two, and three emissions reporting, I don't think shippers understand how a carrier's emissions fall under their purview and umbrella within a lot of those scope of carbon accounting, right? So 
tell me if I'm getting off track, but when I'm, when I'm walking people through scope one, two, and three, scope one emissions are your direct operations. So for a fleet, that's your, your operation for running your assets, your emissions for the fuel you're burning and your, and your stationary equipment, the shipper using that asset, the, the scope one becomes scope three and the assets empty leg from load to load or load to depot belong to the shipper in that scenario. Do you find that that's a similar concept that's hard to explain to people or is that, am I barking up the wrong tree? I think the conversation varies significantly depending upon which shipper you're talking to. Um, so it's, there's not a standard answer to that today in, in my view. Um, but I think the, I think it's changing. We're, we're moving through a shift. I mean, it's dependent upon industry and it's dependent upon many other factors, but I think there is a shift. Um, <laughs> and I guess in some cases they don't want to own that. Um, but in, but in others, there's obviously a realization that that's, they've accepted, not accepted, that's the wrong word, but um, they're taking responsibility. It's hard to convince someone that, that carbon accounting works that way, where you're taking responsibility over something of which you have no control, right? So I introduce and I, I sell a gallon of diesel to the world. I mean, you're the one burning it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or even, you know, I think the stem's not even you know, who's consuming the goods, right? Is it the person consuming the goods that's moving on the truck? That So there's a lot of debate on that, um, which which points towards the potential need for standardization. Um, I, I would say from a pure leaf perspective, our focus is more on identifying what's there. Um, and then the allocation, for, for me, as I think there's probably an industry growing around, you know, whether it be the tokenization or, of emissions or the actual removal of emissions and how do you um, kind of harness some of what's being removed to, to fuel other initiatives. Some of that likely in the future is what's going to actually drive the ownership <laughs> for lack of a better. Totally agree. If you give someone a tool to manage it, it changes the, the story. And we don't have enough time for the rest of this episode to get into all my other, you know, nerdy areas of interest around carbon accounting and climate finance and, Book and claim it. I mean, I'll go down the rabbit hole. So let's let's kind of try and bring it to a head here at the end. Do you think, in least view, is net zero transportation possible? And what what's there beyond? Once we get the empty miles problem solved, what's <laughs> what's left to fix? Sure, I think you know empty miles dwell, but it's it's not alone that that's going to happen. Obviously, like the polyfuels you've recently talked about, like moving, there's multiple things that are going to need to come together to get to net zero, but I think you have to remain positive that it's a possibility, right? It's, it's only through, you know, when you're, whether you're concerned about whatever it is, you know, the, the war that just started or the environmental components, you have to think about who's providing solutions in the space and how they're coming together. So 100% it is possible. Um, again, the exact path to get there, I think we'll go through many twists and turns. I think there's still technology being developed that's going to help us pull, you know, emissions out of the air and it will offset what, you know, the last bits that are being produced, you know, from EV vehicles and fuel cell and RNG. It's a combination of all those technologies working together. I don't, there's not a single solution here that's going to, to solve the problem. Um, but 100%, we're going to do our part to, to help with the waste component <laughs> um, and uh, 
it, it will definitely, we totally believe it will be, there's the potential to get there. I love it. I love it. And I fully agree and, and appreciate the optimism because we need a lot more of that in the world today. So thank you. Um, take us home briefly. Why is sustainability important to Andrew? There's a lot of ways I could answer that, but I, I think, you know, pure at heart, I am most comfortable when I am outside on a mountain and I don't live anywhere near mountains, but it, <laughs> that is for me, uh, what's most important and being able to have that long-term, um, and it's also the giving back, right? So when you think about what we take, we want to make sure that we're giving back. And those are sort of the two primary components that drive my sort of push for sustainability. I resonate with you when I'm standing on the beach listening to the ocean. I feel that exact same deep, deep, deep peaceful breath. So it, it should be a clean air is a human right. And whatever we can do to, to help fight for that cause, I think we should be doing so. Andrew, this was fun. This was informative for me. I learned a lot. I hope uh, our listeners did too. Where can we send them if they want to learn more about LEAF and about you? Uh, LEAFLogistics.com or I'm at Andrea.Pope at LEAFLogistics.com. Happy to hear from anyone. Awesome. Yeah, y'all reach out, send her comments, questions, let them help you with the empty mouth problem. Absolutely. (laughs) We'll have you guys back on later this year. You know, more growth coming for LEAF. We're excited to see, you know, what you guys are able to to solve in this, in this space. So best of luck and awesome. thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much. This is great.